Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome. I know you've been welcomed a lot, but um, we're really, we really are glad that you're here. And uh, my name's Trey. I'm part of the team here, and um, I'm going to speak to you this morning. And I guess I really just this morning, I'm really thinking it is a lot for us to take in these days, isn't it? It's a lot going on. Um, you know, whether it's the, the um, Thailand and tragedy, the one in Indonesia, the one in Donegal, um, the one, uh, the, the crisis of, of living costs, all of these things, it's a lot to take in, isn't it? It's a lot, and, and it affects all of us in some way or the other, and the reality is, is that in these moments, what we do, it's, a, it's, it's, it's understandable why we do, because it's a very human thing to do, is when everything seems overwhelming, and then the weather's bad too, right? I mean, someone's, there, if you're here on vacation, welcome to the beautiful North Coast, <laughs> right? But in the midst of all of that, sometimes what we can do, and it's a very natural reaction, is that we go, this is too much, and then we kind of close down. And we go inwards. And our instinct is to grab the people closest to us and our things and circle the wagons and protect everything, isn't it? Because when we fear, that's what we do. But the reality is, is the kingdom is completely opposite of that. When darkness grows, we turn on the lights. And these moments right now where things do feel overwhelming, I mean, we're all feeling the crunch. I don't know about you. I mean, I, in my house, and when I say my house, me and Tori, we, we're, we're, we're trying to go as long as we can without turning the heating on this year. So we're like wearing jackets around the house and stuff, you know? Every time I turn on the TV, it's like another huge tragedy has happened, and, and my heart just sweeps within me. And it is so hard for me because what I want to do is just put on my pajama trousers and my Uggs, <laughs> sorry, and just do this. But the kingdom does something different. The kingdom takes people who are scared and tired and cold and don't quite have enough money for their heating and can't take one more hard news story. And we bring all that broken stuff that's all twisted up inside us and we go, Jesus, only you can move the mountains. And then we get to look up and look out again. And we become people who rise in the midst of darkness and go, here is hope, here's a light. His name is Jesus. This is who we are. This is what we're called to do. The kingdom turns it all upside down over and over and over. And what I have to do in these moments is I have to hear the good news of what Jesus is doing in the midst of a difficult time. Listen to this incredible thing that's been happening. Over the past couple of weeks, 40 kids have given their lives to Jesus and begun a journey with Jesus in our schools. Just in schools alone. Where darkness is seeking to come into our schools, instead the light is shining. See, the thing is, and I was going to read this verse at the end, but I'm going to read it to you now because I want, it's just so appropriate for what I want to talk to you about this morning. This is what Jesus said. And he's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to those standing around and following. All of whom understand the same feelings that we have of wanting to close down and go inward put on our pajama trousers and our Uggs and shut the doors, pull our loved ones close, 
lock down the bank account, all that stuff that we want to do. Jesus speaks, and this is what he says, believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see, these miracles. And then Jesus says something astonishing. The person who trusts me will not only do what I am doing, but even greater things. Because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. Why is that so profound? Because in a time where we feel overwhelmed, this is the moment that we rise up and we go, it's for everyone. This is the moment that when we're crying out, we need you, Jesus. Jesus says, greater things than these you'll do in my name. And that's why today we want to carry on as we're looking at this topic of everyone, every day, everywhere. And the reason Miriam was joking with me about it is because we often mix it up and we go everyone, everywhere, every day, everyone, every day, everywhere. The theologically correct way is everyone, every day, everywhere. Okay? It doesn't actually, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you do it everywhere, every day with everyone. It's fine. <laughs> I know that really confuses it, doesn't it? But here's the beautiful thing is, is that what Jesus came to do with us is that exact thing. He came to take ordinary people like us, real bozos, honestly, really normal bozo type people. Are you okay? What happened? Okay. If you're watching at home, just having some issues with hecklers in the crowd. No, it's okay. <laughs> Jesus came to take normal, everyday bozos like us and then say, greater things than these you'll do. And right now, guys, as the news and the weather and the cost of living crisis happens, there has never been more of a moment for us to rise up and say it's for everyone, it's every day, and it's everywhere we go. And that's why we're going to dive in even deeper right now. We're going to pick up right where we left off last week. You know, Jesus, just before he ascends into heaven, this is after his crucifixion and his resurrection, he's about to ascend into heaven. Now, you've got to understand for the people that were with him, that had to seem counterproductive, right? Like Jesus has just conquered death. Surely this is the moment Jesus is going to get a, a big church and a TV station, right? Makes sense, doesn't it? Do we ever kind of long for that? You know, when you're like, Jesus, won't you please just do the preaching? I don't know what to do. But Jesus in that moment says, it's better for me to go. And here's what happens. Jesus calls those 11 disciples that were left. And they're, they're standing there on the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. That's exactly what the scriptures say. They worshiped, but some doubted because Jesus uses worshipers and doubters. This morning, he's not just looking for people who came in certain of him. Jesus is speaking to people who came in with questions and with doubts. And he still says, it's available to you because it is for everyone. What's amazing about that moment is that Jesus isn't doing a new thing. It's consistent with the character of God that we see throughout the scriptures. God uses people over and over. He partners with normal people, people who worship and people who doubt. People just like us. In fact, when you look at the people that God chooses to partner with, he chooses surprising people again and again. He very rarely chooses the best person in our eyes, right? 
Let's talk about one person. Actually, we're going to talk about several, but let's talk about one right now. Let's talk about Moses. Now, if you're new to the Bible or if you're just learning some of the Bible stories and if you're visiting here or this is your first time or any of that sort of stuff, that's okay. Moses is the guy who in the Bible leads the Jewish people, the people of Israel. He leads them out of the slavery they were under into freedom and to the promised land. So Moses is a pretty big story. One of the most important stories in the Bible. And here's the deal. That's who God chose, Moses. And you go, Moses must have been amazing at everything. Actually, Moses was a fairly hot-tempered murderer, which is not what we're looking for typically in our staff. Right? I mean, can you just imagine that interview? Right? Like, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I tend to lose my temper from time to time, and um, I've done a couple of murders, but, you know, I'm good. I've seen a burning bush. You know, I mean, we're not, this is a, a crazy moment. Listen to this. Peter was a betrayer. Peter, his lead disciple, betrayed him. It's extraordinary. Paul was a radical religious terrorist from the Middle East. Let me say that again. Paul was an angry young man from the Middle East who wanted to eradicate Christianity. And Jesus went, perfect. <laughs> Mary. Mary Magdalene, the extraordinary Mary, Mary the Magdalene, as the scriptures say, we often call her Mary Magdalene, the very first human being to preach the resurrected Jesus, the first person to preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus, originally had seven demons. I could keep going all morning. Noah, Noah, remember Noah and the ark? Noah kind of liked to drink and would get naked when he did. Easy, easy, okay. King David. A man after God's own heart was an adulterer and a murderer. Rahab, the heroine who delivers the city of Jericho into the hands of the children of Israel, was a prostitute. Now, I'm not going through this list to tell you these are the requirements to become an everyone. I'm trying to highlight how what God does is over and over chooses ordinary people. Because here's what we do. When we say God wants to use you, people go, well, he doesn't know about me. I'm pretty rubbish. And here's the thing, why does the Bible tell these stories? One, here's one of the things that I love about the Bible. The Bible is not afraid of the messy bits. The Bible embraces the mess. Sometimes people go, is there a deeper meaning? Yes, here's the deeper meaning. Humanity is messy and Jesus is totally comfortable with it. He sends out people who are messy. If you're messy today, you're the everyone he's looking for. If you today have some doubts in your heart, if you today are filled with faith and joy, it doesn't matter. Because here's the thing, and I, again, I don't go through that list of people to glorify their mistakes or to shame them, but to simply to point out that God partners with all kinds of unlikely people because what he has is for everyone. And here's the truth, that's here, and just hear it from me. God doesn't use the qualified and equipped experts. What he does is he qualifies and he equips the available bozos. You don't have to add bozos if you, that's hard to say, I guess, you <laughs> But honestly, what God is looking for is available bozos like you and me, people who go, I'm not equipped or qualified. And God goes, you're available. That's what I'm looking for. Because so often in a moment like this, in a, in a, in a cultural moment like this, where everything is pressed around us, again, we want to go inward. And what we want is we want some expert out there can solve it. It's too much for me to handle. I don't know how to fix the cost of living crisis. I'm not saying that as an example. I honestly don't know how to fix the cost of living crisis. And so what I can do is I can go, there's nothing I can do about it. 
Some, bring some expert in who will do it. But the kingdom says, no, I'm looking for the ordinary because let me do something extraordinary with you in a community that needs less experts and more everyone. And this is how Jesus has always worked. Jesus makes that available to everyone. Look at this example of it. Jesus does it almost immediately after he calls the disciples. Now, just, just so you know the context of this next scripture, we're, we're in Matthew 10. Jesus has just called Matthew, the tax collector, as a disciple. Keep in mind, Matthew, a tax collector at that time, was a colluder with the Roman government that was oppressing the people that Jesus was there to minister to. And he's brought him into the posse. And then the next chapter, the first verse of the next chapter, Matthew 10, here's what happens. Jesus called his 12 disciples to them, to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, in case you're not clear, the Bible goes on to explain who it was. These are the names of the 12. First, Simon, who is called Peter. Hot-headed, bad language, fisherman. Smells a bit. Scriptures don't say that, but, you know, he's a fisherman, so, right? Okay? Um, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. James and John, the two sons of thunder. That was Jesus' nickname for them because they were trouble. John may have been 13. A 13-year-old troublemaker, Jesus is like, I send you out with the authority. And you're like, Really? Right? Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, colludes with the government. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, who's a rebel against the government. You guys don't know anything about that here in Northern Ireland, but imagine if there were two sides of the community and you had real extremists on either side. Is that something? It might be a stretch for you to figure that out. Anyone? Anyone? And you put them both in your small group. And on the first day, you go, let's go minister to the neighborhood. And you're like, try not to kill each other. We're going to minister, right? It seems laughable, doesn't it? It's one of those crazy things. It keeps going. Listen to this. The last one, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Those 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Later, he's going to tell them to go to the Gentiles and the Samaritans, which are their other, the other people, the non-Jewish people. That's what a Gentile or a Samaritan is. But here's what he says. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Listen to what he gives them the job to do. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is here. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Which demands the great, deeply theological question after Jesus does that. Really? What a group to send out. What a messy group to send out. Imagine if that was your small group and you went, we're going to minister in the neighborhood this weekend. Imagine what, what the, the, the mess when you send out like a hot-headed 13-year-old, a smelly fisherman, and two people who could be at each other's throats. Jesus sends them out and doesn't just go, go out and be nice to people. Jesus goes out and says, raise the dead, heal the sick, clean the lepers. And they're like, okay. Why? Here's the reason why. Because this is how Jesus works. They were as green as you could be. They were young. They had no education. They were hotheads who argued over position. So many reasons not to send them out. Won't it be messy? But here's what we see. Jesus is not concerned about mess. Still, though, when we look at it, we have to go, um, Jesus, are you sure? Right? Because Judas is in there. Simon the Zealot. None of them had been to Esom. Not a single one of them had done the Esom Encounter School of Mission, which is too late to join now, but you can join next year. Not a single one of them had been in my small group. 
which is called reprobates and robbers. No, it's not really, okay? <laughs> right? None of them. But here is the one thing that they had. The one thing that they had. It's simply this. They didn't have education. They didn't have expert skills. They were messy. They had one thing. They had been with Jesus. And that's why we're pushing this message so hard. Let me tell you. Church is a lot easier if we keep it for the experts. It's a lot easier if we just keep the experts who are going to say the right thing and do it the right way. We will never be that church because that's not what the church looks like. It should be a lot messier. Why? Because the one requirement here is this thing. They'd been with Jesus. Later in the book of Acts, they talk about it in exactly those terms. When Peter and John are hauled up and they're, they're, they're being accused of things, they begin to speak and they begin to talk about Jesus. And it says in Acts, you can read it in chapter 4 in that book, the stories, the Acts of the Apostles. Here's what it says. It says, they were amazed when they heard these uneducated ruffians speaking. And they took note that they had been with Jesus. The one thing that our community needs is people who've just been with Jesus. That's what's available to everyone who will make themselves available to Jesus. If you want to see you become one of the everyone and, and again, there's a reason it's everyone, not, the, not the, the chosen ones, the expert ones, the trained ones, the equipped ones. It's the everyone of the gospel. All we have to do is say, you're making this available. I'm going to make myself available to you because it's for everyone, really. Jesus moves through unexpected people all the time. In fact, that's how Jesus develops you and me. See, what we often do is this. We start here and we go, okay, I got a bunch of doubts. I got a bunch of questions. I'm not sure. Maybe we start a little journey towards Jesus, that kind of thing. And then we go, okay, now I'm over the line. And then it's almost like we expect now I need to learn the whole Bible. I need to have all my questions answered. I need to do ESIM. I need to get trained. I'm not knocking any of these things, by the way. Get training. Come to ESIM. These are all wonderful things. We keep thinking if we do all these things and finally one day we'll cross the line and we'll be ready to minister. But Jesus doesn't do that at all. Jesus says, look, <laughs> seek the kingdom first and all these things will be added to you. And the kingdom says, everyone jump in. And then Jesus begins that work within us. I learned so much more stepping out in stuff that I'm not good at than I do with all of my study and attempts at scholarship. It's frustrating to me. I would rather sit in my little study with my books than actually pray for people because I am frightened of people. Right? But that's where I grow the most. And here's exactly what we see. Look at this story. Jesus does this exact thing. Matthew 14. John the Baptist has just been martyred by King Herod. Now, John the Baptist was one of Jesus. He was kind of, he was actually Jesus' cousin. But he was a dear friend of Jesus and he'd just been killed. So Jesus is dealing with that. And in that moment, here's what, here, so that sets the scene of what happens. Matthew 14, when Jesus heard what had happened to John the Baptist, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from all the towns. When Jesus landed, he saw the large crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. But as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now that sounds like they're just trying to do good management, right? But honestly, it was probably just a bunch of boys going, we are starving. Can you send these people away? And we'll just get a bit of a quick takeaway or something. So they come to Jesus with this problem. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't say, here, I'm the expert, I'll fix this. 
This, listen to the next thing Jesus says. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And you can, I, we do not get to see their response. We don't know what it looked like on their faces, but I'm sure that some of them went, what? Me? Jesus says, you give them something to eat. What do they do? They answer and they go, all we have here are five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus says, bring it to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate, they were all satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of people who ate was about 5,000 men plus women and children. What's incredible about that story is all they had to do is bring what they had and be obedient. All they had, they had an impossible problem. They were unequipped, unskilled, did not know what they were doing. We got five loaves and two fishes. Jesus says, great, bring it to me now. Go feed the people. Now, we don't know if when Jesus broke the bread, the bread went. It doesn't seem like it. It seems like Jesus handed them the bread, and suddenly they were able to feed all the people. And and not just that. They did not have enough. Jesus had more than enough for everyone, and he wanted to use them to spread that out to the people. Why? Two reasons. One, all the people went home with full bellies. Two, the disciples were forever changed by what what happened to them in that moment. The everyone message of the kingdom is this. (laughs) Come, just bring what you've got, and then be obedient. That's the beautiful thing. We don't need more theologians. What we need are more people who are willing to bring what they have and to be obedient, which puts me in this place that I go, here's the question we need to be asking ourselves this morning. What is in our hands? What are we carrying right now? Jesus wants to take the normal, ordinary things in our lives and make them extraordinary for his kingdom, using us as the everyone. This isn't for experts. It's for everyone. Why? Because then we know who gets the credit. Jesus gets the credit. There's so many ordinary stories. I just want to tell you a couple of stories this morning. This is a beautiful story. Um, one of our kids, um, he's a, a, a teen. Is that what you call them nowadays? The teens? The kids these days? <laughs> Sorry. He's a teen. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I just, yeah, I, that's what I wrote in my teen. <laughs> one of our young teenagers, one of the guys in one of our youth groups is on a, um, a trip. He's on a football tour, right? So they're going around, traveling around. And, you know, it, he's the only follower of Jesus on that football team. So it's everything you can expect from like a teenager's football trip, you know, all sorts of shenanigans going on, that kind of thing. And so all those kind of things are going on one night, and he's like, oh, I, don't know how to, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to do anything. So he just goes back to his room and, and begins to read the Bible. And suddenly the team, half his team kind of filters into his room. And so in that moment, he's just got everyone in his room. So somehow, he ends up with all of them singing, our God is a great big God, and then he starts to read scriptures. And he goes, let there be light. And one of the guys turns on the light in the room and goes, hey! And everyone's like, hey! Now listen, is that messy? You better believe it. That's messy, isn't it? That's not how we train people to do evangelism. Get everyone as drunk as possible. Have them come to your room. Sing our God is a great big God, right? It's not the system. It's the fact that this incredible young man went, this is all I got in my hands, and just offered it up, and Jesus went boom. And the presence of Jesus got to encounter those young guys on that trip, where what they were actually there to encounter was something completely different. Jesus just steps into the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. It's messy, it's wonderful, but it's for everyone. Here's another great story. 
a guy here at our church in his workplace had a guy I was working with who was a little bit prickly. You know, you know what it's like. A little difficult. The guy was a little volatile. You never knew exactly what he was going to do. And his mother got really sick. And so the, the, guy, the guy who's part of our, fan, our, our, our community here um, began to just reach out to this guy over and over and be checking on his mom. And um, his mom had been a heavy smoker, and so she had, like, her arteries had been blocked, and so she was in quite a bad place. And, and so her legs were, like, filled up with fluid. She was in the hospital. But he began to check in every day with this guy. He's not preaching to him. He's not answering theological questions about suffering. He's just checking in on a difficult workmate. And at some stage, that workmate pours out his heart a little bit and says, hey, listen, you know, she's a smoker, but she doesn't even drink. The only thing she does is once a year at Christmas, she has a little bit of Bailey's. And this guy from our church went, huh. And so on his lunch break, went down to the off license and bought a bottle of Bailey's and brought it back and put it on the table. And the guy went, what is this? And he went, well, you said your mother likes a little bit of Bailey's. And I just believe that God is moving in her life. And, and this is just a little Bailey's for Christmas. And the guy began to well up and went, you're not even a part of my family. Now, if it bothers you that he bought Bailey's, go buy some slur. It's okay. <laughs> if you're watching at home, slur works as well. But here's what's so beautiful about that story. The guy takes it home. His father hears the story. His father's overwhelmed by it. And the bottle of Bailey's is sitting on the kitchen table in their house, and the guy goes to put it away, and his father goes, no, keep that out, because it's a sign that people who aren't even our family love us. Man, that's in everyone's story if I've ever heard of it. What did he have in his hands? There's no preaching that goes on. He's just his kindness lets the presence of Jesus encounter Another woman in her workplace had a really difficult workplace. Everyone was real kind of with each other. She did not know what to do. But one day she went, you know what I'm pretty good at? I'm good at making cakes. She made a cake and took it in for coffee break. And suddenly all these people who were backbiting and sniping at each other, they found it was pretty hard to do when your mouth is full of cake. <laughs> and everyone began to get excited about the cake. And the cake bringing changed the atmosphere of the office so much so that when she went on holiday, one of the backbiting sort of people went, someone's got to bring in cake and brought in cake for all the other people. Why? Because when we become the everyone, Jesus takes the most ordinary things and turns them into extraordinary things that transform things. The fact that 40 kids have come to faith, it's not just because our, our, our under 18 team is extraordinary. They are, but it's because Jesus is moving among the ordinary. I look out across this room and I see people across this room who every day in every way are simply bringing it in the ordinary. Trevor Finley, my brother, just carries it because he's an everyone out there. Derek, who manages trauma stuff for everyone. I, Derek, I don't know exactly if I'm allowed to even say what you do, am I? He's not like a, like a spy or something. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> but Derek, because he's in everyone, is carrying the presence of Jesus. Sylvia Burnside, sitting right there, who coaches people in vocals. Can, have you ever been around Sylvia? Don't you just, like the presence of Jesus just comes along with her? She doesn't even preach. In fact, Sylvia would be terrified if I said, Sylvia, it's time to preach. We want an expert voice. Here's the thing. What, are, what do we have in our hands right now? What are we carrying? Those incredible, let, let, me, let, me, well, let me tell you a story that's not here from our church. Can I, can I tell you a couple more stories? How are we doing a time? Oh, we're doing brilliantly. We're doing amazingly. 
Listen to this one. This is really crazy. So if this happened this week, this week, is that right, Miriam? I'm just checking with Miriam because Miriam told me this story. So there was a family that was out at one of our local restaurants. They were eating, and next to them at another table was a couple. This couple's not from our church. They're just some random couple, but they were all kind of chatting. You know how you people in Northern Ireland are so friendly, so dear, chit-chatting with each other. And, and so as they get up to leave, they're all laughing and what have you, and the family jokes to the young couple, be sure to pick up our check on the way out. And then they go to pay their check, and they find out the young couple actually did pick up their check. So here's what happens next. They come to the Hope Center and they go, we don't even know who these couple were. They don't, they're not from our church. They're just normal people out there. They come to the Hope Center and give the same amount of money plus some for their meal to the food bank so that they can bless others and carry that generosity on. Why? Because somebody just did something that was in their hands. Isn't that beautiful? See, we think we need years of study and practice and courage. All we need is to have what is in our hands and to be obedient in the moment. The world has changed in little moments of a lot of people. We always think it's one big, great person and it's a bunch of normal bozos who are obedient. All right, one more. This is kind of embarrassing. So during COVID, when Tori was in isolation, and I was working quite long hours. In the evening, I just didn't really know what to do with myself. So I started playing a video game on my phone. It's a little war game. <laughs> Silly, okay? Um, started playing, and it's a war game you play with people from all over the world, right? And you make little teams, and you have little wars with each other, and, you know, it's silly. But we got pretty serious about it and formed a chat group to talk about our strategies <laughs> and started to get to know one another, okay? And I didn't really tell the guys that I was a pastor or anything like that, but just we began to, we also started doing like video calls and Zoom calls to talk about strategy. It's pretty pathetic. Okay, I'll let it go, all right? But I got to know this group of guys and suddenly what I found is that because, you know, I am a pastor. It is what I do. I can't help myself. It's what I'm supposed to do. I found that whenever their lives were getting difficult, they would call me up and be like, hey, can we have a chat? And to pour out their hearts to me. And so one of these guys, I started really, you know, he was talking about proposing and all this stuff. And then one day I jokingly said, I could marry you. And he went, what do you mean you could marry us? And he, I was like, he was like, are you like a real pastor? And I was like, brother, I am qualified. <laughs> I'm a reverend. I can hit you right up. In fact, if you want to get married this morning, I can do it right now. And, and, and so what, what has happened here, and again, let me just tell you what's happening. Next week, he's flying me and Tori to Italy to do his wedding. <laughs> no, no, let me explain, let me explain. He, okay, he, he grew up with some faith, but he's not. He calls himself a lapsed person of faith. His wife wouldn't call herself a Christian, but she's very, very interested. And here's what they told me. We were on a long, they, they, I know, listen, if you're worried, this is the last time you're ever gonna see me. They're real people, we've chatted to them. People are like, this is one of those internet stories, right? We were on a Zoom call with them last night and it was beautiful. And one of the things they said is they said, I, cause I was saying to them, I really believe this stuff. So when I marry you, I'm marrying you in the sight of God. I believe in the power of God. And I was like, but here's the beautiful thing. My belief doesn't require you to believe what I believe. And then this is what they said. They went, the reason we want you is because we want someone who believes in God to bless us and marry us. And I went, 
And that's not because of my training or anything. I mean, I did need the reverend part. But it's just because I was playing a game on my phone. It was in my hand. It's a great game. Just kidding. <laughs> All that to say, the reality is, is that the problem for a lot of us is in that moment when we go, we ask what's in our hands. The next question we ask is, who am I to do this, right? Because many of us struggle with us. We hear those stories and we go, yes, it's for everyone. Everyone except me, right? That's like the Northern Ireland moment there, isn't it? Everyone is amazing and called by God, but not me. Not me. So how do we become people who make ourselves available? How do we walk into that realization of the kingdom? Because this is realization of the kingdom stuff. It's not just the proclamation and the demonstration. This is the realization where we wake up in the morning and we go, I'm carrying the kingdom. I'm a school teacher, but I'm carrying the kingdom. I'm not completely sure who was on the ark. Was it Moses? Was it Noah? doesn't matter. I'm still carrying the kingdom. Let me say that again. You do not need deep biblical knowledge to carry the kingdom. You just need to be with Jesus. I'm not saying don't grow in your biblical knowledge. Do you hear, what, you hear where I'm coming from, right? I'm just saying that being with Jesus is that thing that makes us available. How do we make ourselves available? Listen to this. Just as we're coming into land here, this is, this is such a beautiful moment. This is in Matthew 16. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And some said, well, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still many other people, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus said? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, Petrus, he calls him, and on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now that is a pretty big statement. And what did Peter do? Peter did not say, I have completed Esam. I've been doing healing on the streets for six years. I've been to Trace Small Group every time it was open. Peter said one thing, you are who you say you are. And Jesus, and it's, here's the beautiful thing. When we say to Jesus, when we surrender and we say, you are who you say you are, Jesus goes, now let me tell you who you are. You're a rock. What you loose in heaven and what you bind in earth and heaven will be done. Why? Because it's for everyone. It seems crazy that Jesus would do something so messy, but isn't that the beauty of the kingdom? We want to make it organized. It's so much easier to run church if we run it all organized. It's so much better, but it's not church. It's just a club with services. But when we turn it upside down and we go, it's for everyone, boy, then Jesus just starts to take the most extraordinary people, just very ordinary people into the most extraordinary places because it is for everyone. Because when we surrender to who Jesus is, we finally see who we are in him. This morning, if you're on a journey towards Jesus and you're asking, who is Jesus? Here's the beautiful thing. The minute that you're willing to say, I believe you are who you say you are, Jesus will say, let me tell you who you are, chosen, called, ready. I still have doubts. We'll work on those on the road. I'm still frightened. Well, when you begin to move in my power, fear will go because perfect love always casts out fear. It's incredible. It's extraordinary. It's the Jesus way. 
And I just want to invite you this week to make yourselves available again. Let's just be people who go, we are the everyone. It's for everyone and me. Let's stand together. Here's how we're going to close. Um, oh, we've got time. This is great. We're just going to take a minute. We're going to pray together. Um, let's close our eyes for just a moment. Just going to give you just a moment here. Um, before we pray together, I just want to give you an opportunity. If, if you're here, and, and, and maybe you've been here for a while even, and you're ready, you, you want to go, I want to tell Jesus you are who you say you are, and I want to start a journey with Jesus. If you want to begin that journey of faith with Jesus this morning, for the first time and start over. And again, when you raise your hand, it's not like some magical thing. It's just a physical sign of going, nope, I want to go on this journey with Jesus. If that's you, you want to just raise your hand. I'm just going to give you a minute to do it. No one's looking around. It's just for you. It's just a moment to put a stake in the ground and go, I want to follow you, Jesus. Anyone? So now look back up at me, all right. I'm gonna read you the scripture. I had such a picture of this this morning. This is from the book of Isaiah, and it's an old prophet. Prophets were guys who spoke the words of God to the people back in these old days. And he has kind of a vision, like, a, like he sees something in heaven, and this is what he says. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another. And here's what they were calling out to one another. The same words that we sang together this morning. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Now this is a big God moment, wouldn't you agree? And in this silent moment right here, God's presence is so with us. Somebody literally just texted me. I, didn't, I wasn't able to see it. Someone did give their life to Jesus just a minute ago as well. See, this is God is here. He's been here. His presence is with us. And in that kind of holy moment where the temple is shaking, where the smoke of his presence is filled, there's, Isaiah sees himself as just a, a nobody. And so he cries out and he goes, woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the king. And we feel like that sometimes, don't we? It's like when we see God and we cry out to this holy, holy God, we go, we're so rubbish. But then here's what happens. We encounter him in his presence. And, and one of the seraphim, the next verse, one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Isaiah has this incredible moment in the presence of God where he feels like he's nothing. And then he's made clean and he's atoned. And then after that encounter, the voice of the Lord says this. Whom will I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah just says these simple words, here am I, send me. There is no better everyone moment for me. This is the everyone moment for us. When the temple is shaken, when we see how beautiful God is, when we see the glory of Jesus, the way he loves us, all of that, and then we look at ourselves and we think we're nothing. And then Jesus calls us and says, greater things than these will you do in my name. And the only thing we have to do is hold up our hands and whatever enemy and go, here I am, here is all of me, send me. 
And that's how I want us to respond today. And I want you to actually take something out. Um, I, I'm going to get you to take out your phone, okay? I kept thinking, what do we have in our hands? And let me tell you, one of the things we always have in our hands is our phones, right? I just want us to hold our phones just kind of a symbol because so much of our lives are run through these things. We, we have the ability to reach out to hundreds of people. You may not have a stage to preach on, but you can text someone this week. I've got a friend who's actually homebound and his ministry is making phone calls. He calls everyone he knows and just blesses them, shares words of encouragement to them. It's incredible. So this week, here's the thing. Um, let me tell you something else you could put in your hands this week. Those flyers from the help is here, hope is here. All of us can, can hand out a flyer. And you go, but that's so small. But the city's changed by small, obedient acts of everyone. Of a people who realize it's always been about Jesus. It was never about us. We're just the everyone he's choosing. So here's what we're going to do here in this holy little moment. And let me just say one last thing. Maybe you've been at this church a long time and you've heard us talk about this for years. And maybe there's a part of you that's grown a little cynical and you maybe you're like, I've heard this before. I tried a few things. It didn't work for me. Here's what I want to say to you again. Let's push in again. I've been here 16 years and every year I have to push in again and surrender all over and go, Lord, I know I just want to be the expert sitting in my little wooden room. And I have to push in again and step out. So let's just pray this together. It's going to be on the screen. We're just going to take a moment. And Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's here. And this is what we're going to pray out loud together. Here am I. Here is all of me. Send me. Let's do it again. Here am I. Here is all of me. Send me. And Lord Jesus, that's our prayer. We stand here with our little phones, our little flyers in our hands. With the little ordinary things that we have. And we say now, rushing wind of your spirit blow through these ordinary things and make them extraordinary blow through these normal 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 people we are people who don't feel capable who don't feel qualified let your spirit now blow through us and equip us and and, and make us available Lord, take us into all the places where right now we all want to go inward and hide and you want us to stand and rise in your hope and your light carrying your glorious hope. Believe me, Jesus says. <laughs> I'm in my Father, my Father's in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see. These miracles, because the person who trusts in me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. And that is the blessing I say unto you this morning, even greater things. Big dreams for little people extraordinary kingdom for ordinary humans. And I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us go and be available this week. Amen, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmicoastvineyard.com.